Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 287 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Got a little bit of a lighter episode today, relatively speaking. The last, really the last several months have been really heavily focused on pretty nerdy, really detailed process related stuff about the learning process and improvements and how to learn better by yourself, how to coach better, etc., etc. Today we're going to be going over Andy Murray's secret match notes. And this is actually a real thing. I'd never heard about this until we were actually out to dinner. Kirby and I were out to dinner with one of our VIP students. Every time somebody comes into town, we go out with uh, the coaches on two of the nights that they're that they're here. And Kirby just randomly brought this up, and she said, "Oh yeah, it was like Andy Murray's notes that got leaked by the press." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And apparently, back in 2015, February 2015, Murray was playing in Rotterdam. And a courtside reporter saw that Murray had a piece of paper with a bunch of notes written on the paper. And he was keeping it next to his chair where he would sit down during changeovers and occasionally he would refer to the piece of paper. And after the, after the match, Murray threw the piece of paper out. The report, reporter went and got the piece of paper and then posted a picture of it on Twitter, which may or may not that may not be you know best practice if you're a journalist. But anyway, it's now out there forever on the internet. And so, and by the way, you can you can check this out for yourself. If you go to Google and you type in, let's see, where did I write it down? Uh, it was like Andy Murray on court notes. I'm pretty sure it was it. Yeah, if, if you do a Google search for Andy Murray on court notes, you'll see a bunch of different posts about it. And so what we're going to do here is go through the 10 points that Murray left himself a reminder for and just quickly check and see, do they apply to us? And you'll be maybe surprised to see that almost all of them do apply to us. They're universal to tennis players. Some of them are very, very match-specific, but most of them are applicable. And in case you're wondering, by the way, just uh, and I did a little bit of research on this, the journalist posted this picture on February 17th, and that was two days after the tournament finished in Rotterdam in 2015, and Murray lost in the semifinals, so it's not clear who he was playing. I'd actually be curious to know. Maybe send me an email and let me know which of these. These are the three players he played during the tournament, so it could have been Mahou, Nicholas Mahou, could have been Pospisil, or it could have been Gilles Simone. Uh, he, he lost to Simone in the semis. And so it could have been any of those three players. It could have been Simone, I don't know. But based on the notes later on, maybe you'll have a, a better guess. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Number one, and by the way, the, these are broken on his piece of paper into two different sections of five. And as far as I can tell, the first five are pretty universal and kind of mindset or mental toughness related. And the second set of five, to make up a total of 10, seem to be very match specific. And so maybe he was kind of writing out a sheet of notes like this for each of his matches in that tournament. I don't know. But at any rate, here's number one on Andy Murray's secret match notes. Number one is be good to yourself. If you watch a lot of tennis, this will probably cause you to chuckle 
right away because for me anyway i mean murray has the nickname mopey murray i mean i don't know how widely spread of a nickname that is but i think murray's pretty well known for his outbursts and not just kind of outbursts in general but kind of towards himself and so i think that's why this is number one for him on the first five of this cheat sheet is that he tends to be really down on himself and so i think the lesson for the rest of us is simply remember why it is that you play. What is your biggest purpose and motivation in tennis? I mean, Murray Murray's a professional athlete. He's he doesn't he doesn't make a living unless he wins matches. And so, if anybody has the right to be upset after missing a backhand into the net, it should be Andy Murray or any other professional player. The rest of us don't have that kind of expectation or that kind of pressure on our games and so for different players have different purposes but what is it for you define that give that some thought and more than likely it's not win all my matches Uh, hopefully that's not it if it is then you're probably setting yourself up for frustration and also i would just simply say here remember that mistakes are part of the game and here's a stat that probably will blow you away rafael nadal Famously, the most successful clay court player of all time. He's only lost two matches ever at the French Open. And at the French Open, what what percentage of points would you guess that Andy Murray has won? Across his entire career, he's played 12 French Opens, and he's won 10 of them. He's only ever lost two matches. He's won every other match, 75 or 76 matches or something like that. So just pick a number in your head really quick. Out of every point he's ever played at the French Open, what percentage do you think that he's won? And the answer is 56.7%. That's his lifetime match, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not match, lifetime point win percentage. That's what it takes to dominate a tournament year after year, winning 56.7% of his points. That means the other 44% of his points he lost, and he's utterly dominant. And so there's just a couple percentage points between a coin flip and dominating. And so when you lose points, especially when it's your error, You've got to be good to yourself, as Murray says. Okay, so that's number one. Be good to yourself. Number two, try your best, (laughs) which sounds like, you know, kind of something a a peewee tennis player would, the advice peewee tennis player would kind of get from from his or her coach. I think self-respect is is really important. And and by self-respect, I mean, make an honest effort out there every time you train, every time you play a match, every time you go to a team practice, leave it all out there and respect your opponent too. You respect your opponent by giving it your best efforts. When you uh, when you hold back because you don't want to hurt your opponent's feelings, it actually does the opposite. And so try your best. I think is really good advice. That's number two on the top section of five. Number three, be intense with your legs. Andy Murray's number three reminder to himself. This reminds me of an illustration I heard that will always be cemented into my brain because I think it's such a good one. And I wish I remembered where I heard this first, but the advice that I heard was play tennis like a duck. And a duck, if if you're looking at a duck on a pond or on some kind of water surface, on the top part, above the surface, you don't see any effort at all. The, the duck is just kind of flowing and bobbing up and down and 
and seemingly just effortlessly gliding across the top of the water. If you were to look below the surface of the water, you'd see a great deal of energy and effort being expended, depending on, of course, what the current is and how fast the duck is going, et cetera, et cetera. But you get the idea. I think it's important for amateur players in particular to kind of separate northern hemisphere from southern hemisphere and be very intense with the legs, as Andy is saying, uh, on the, the bottom half. But on the upper half, it's important to be very, very relaxed and calm. If you can't separate and everything is either intense and crazy or calm and relaxed, then you're going to falter one way or the other. All right, number four, be proactive during points. And being proactive starts with anticipation. And I'd just like to point you in a, in a direction of a, a video that I did about anticipation. If you can't tell what's coming next, then it's very difficult to be proactive. And so Andy, of course, his game is really centered around getting a lot of balls, being in the right place at the right time, him being kind of a counterpuncher style opponent, really he's predicated, his game is predicated on seeing what's coming next, getting there half a second early than most other players and calmly playing the ball back to an effective spot. Now that starts with anticipating the points or anticipating based on the technique of your opponents. And so if you go to YouTube and you do a quick search for essential tennis anticipation, you'll see a video from me about that where I actually talk about how to anticipate what's coming next from your opponent. And once you have a strong read on that, then you can be proactive. All right, number five, focus on each point and the process. And for me, with the biggest tie-in here for, for us mere mortals is just the simple fact that it's very easy for us to be focused on anything but each individual point, meaning the present. For most of us, our minds are stuck either in the past or in the future. The past could be a crappy line call or what we thought was a crappy line call a couple of points ago, or it could be a match we played five years earlier that was the same situation against the same player and how we choked away the match. And the future could be looking ahead to saying, oh, wow, I'm, I'm up 6-2-5-1. This is totally in the bag. And either one of those mindsets can cause a huge collapse. And so staying present, focusing on each point of the time is super critical. It's really kind of cliche because so many elite athletes have given that same advice, but it's unbelievably true. Okay, so that's the top section of five. Really very universal things, very wise words to be sure. Again, those five, be good to yourself, try your best, be intense with your legs, be proactive during points, and focus on each point and the process. Okay, so the bottom set of five, to me, are, are pretty specific. And there's actually a line. If you, if you look at the picture, there was one, two, three, four, five, then a line, and then five more. And so I think these five were, were match-specific. Number one, try to be the one dictating. It was actually kind of interesting for me. There's a couple of these in here, but I'll... Go ahead and tell you my thoughts right here. I thought it was interesting for Murray that he talks about being proactive. He talks about being intense. He talks about being the one dictating, which really is kind of against his MO as a player. His style, as I said before, is kind of counterpuncher-ish. And so this makes me wonder if maybe this was against Simone 
because Simone's very, very steady, totally happy to just grind it out, very high shot tolerance kind of player. And so I'm wondering if maybe that was the match this was from, because you know Murray doesn't necessarily just want to get into a rally fest uh, with Simone, but it's just kind of me speculating. And so uh, I think dictating, I think this piece of advice can vary as far as how much we can apply it to our own games. And I think in singles in particular, this doesn't always apply for amateur players. Now, of course, there's different styles. I'm calling Andy Murray kind of a counterpuncher style. If you're a very aggressive baseliner, then this obviously makes sense. If you're a defensive style player, then being the one dictating might be exactly the wrong thing, especially if you're playing against an, a, another opponent whose favorite style is to play against aggressive baseliners. And so in singles in particular, you've really got to be aware of your strengths and weaknesses, your personality as a player, your style of play, and you need to always be very aware of your opponent, their strengths and weaknesses, their style of play. And so being the one dictating doesn't always make sense in singles. Now in doubles, it usually does apply. Doubles very much is a game of disruption. You're trying to inject yourself as much as possible between your opponent and where he or she is trying to hit the ball. And so I think trying to be the one dictating is pretty universally applicable in doubles, really regardless of level. I think the only exception would be a very, very beginner levels of play where technical execution is very low. And it's really just a matter, uh, or rather a game of minimizing mistakes. If that's, if that's the case, then you can feel free to just kind of stay back, be a little more passive. But Otherwise, I think doubles, absolutely, this is pretty universal advice to be dictating. So that's number one. Number two, try to keep him at the baseline and make him move. And this, I feel, is just totally situational. Uh, some opponents you don't want to keep at the baseline. Some opponents you want to pull off of the baseline. If they're just absolutely killing you from the baseline, that's their comfort zone. Or if they have a terrible net game, then this could be the absolute worst advice. And so for me, this is completely situational. Uh, making somebody move, generally speaking, is, is good advice in tennis, but not always. Some players, uh, really defensive players, pushers, if you want to use that word, love being on the run and are, are infuriatingly most comfortable when you're making them run. <clears throat> and it's when they hit their best shots. So again, must know your opponent here. And this advice of to himself of trying to keep him at the baseline, make him move is, is purely situational in my opinion. Number three, keep going for your serve. Now for me, this absolutely is applicable to all of us. And by going for, I'm going to go ahead and a little bit put words in Andy's mouth and just simply say that this is referring to racket head speed. At least that's the way I would apply it to you and to myself on the court. Acceleration and racket head speed is huge, especially on the second serve. Because if you don't have that racket head speed, if you're one of the many, many, many tennis players who, when the when the pressure is really on, when a serve really matters, especially a second serve, if you're the type of player who slows down for safety, then you are handcuffing yourself and you're severely limiting your results on the court as a server. And so shaping the ball, spinning the ball aggressively is the key to big second serve success. And it's the key to being able to go for your serve without worrying about making a ton of mistakes and giving away a ton of unforced errors. 
So if you'd like some guidance on this, again, if you go to YouTube and you just type in shape your serve, you can put in essential tennis if you want, but uh, I checked earlier today. And as of right now, if you type in shape your serve, then our video is number one. And in that video, I describe a drill and the process of how to really curve the ball. And I think that's the key for going for your serve. And it's so critical, especially on second serves and especially as you play stronger opponents, slowing down on important serves will will just cause you to crumble, especially against good opposition. All right, number four on the second list of five, stick to the baseline as much as possible. Again, I view this as totally situational. This is really typical for, for Andy against a lot of opponents where he likes to take a lot of things right off the bounce, right on the rise, and again, just kind of deflect and uh, send the ball back using the pace from his opponent and just redirect where the ball is headed. And could see this against Simone. Um, I don't know Mahu or Pospisil's game well enough, honestly, to say if it would be a better indicator against one of those two. But I view this as totally situational. Against some players, I think Andy would definitely play further back. He's probably playing his best when he's closer to the baseline, but that's not everybody. In fact, I would say the majority of you listening probably don't have the hands and the anticipation and just the raw skill set to stick right to the baseline, especially against a big hitter, and just rebound the ball effectively and consistently and redirect it back to where you'd like it to go. It takes a lot of skill, great hands, and something that you should absolutely develop as you continue to improve your game, but not advice that I would universally just suggest to any tennis player. Very specific application, both to the player and also to the opponent. Okay, and now number 10, the number five on the bottom five, the, the final piece of advice from Andy to himself is stay low on passes and use your legs. And my, my uh, note here is meh, sure. <laughs> I feel like this is, again, really kind of personal and really kind of specific. I'm not a big fan of the phrase stay low in general. Maybe he's talking about keeping the ball low. If he's talking about keeping his body low, then I think that could actually, for certain situations, actually be bad advice. Really kind of depends on the situation, how how pulled wide somebody is, uh, how low the ball is, how much it's sitting up, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm guessing this was a really specific opponent he had in mind and a, a really specific type of shot, maybe specific type of approach shot that his opponent, this particular opponent liked to hit. And using the legs, again, totally depends. Depends on the height of the ball. Using the legs in general for a passing shot is good advice, but depending on the situation could be completely irrelevant. In the case, uh, example, in the example of getting pulled way out wide and really just not having much say in the matter one way or another. If uh, you've got a neutral approach shot and just kind of a sitting passing shot, then of course, but that's not going to happen most of the time. So here's all 10 secrets here. Match notes from Andy Murray. Be good to yourself. Try your best. Be intense with your legs. Be proactive during points. Focus on each point and the process. Try to be the one dictating. Try to keep him at the baseline and make him move. Keep going for your serve. Stick to the baseline as much as possible. And stay low on passes and use 
your legs. Again, I, I view the top five as pretty much universally applicable. It doesn't matter what your level is or where you live or how long you've been playing. Just good, solid advice. The bottom five, more situational, I think more personal. It may be personal to Andy and or personal to his opponent, but a lot of good stuff sprinkled in there as well. So I want to thank Kirby for passing this on to me surprised I, I didn't see about i didn't see anything about it when it first came out but i found it really fascinating especially the fact that so much of it was applicable to the rest of us and so there you have it there's no well there's there's no like secret necessarily to why the pros are as good as they are they do the same things we're working on just at a very very elite level very very high levels of execution and consistency and excellence so hope this gave you some insight gave you some perspective thank you so much for listening as always i hope this was helpful to you and thank you for your time and your attention for more free game improving instruction be sure to check out essentialtennis.com where you'll find hundreds of video audio and written lessons also be sure to subscribe to essential tennis on itunes and youtube where we are the number one resource in the world providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care and good luck with your tennis.